Lord and being faithful to God. You know, they, um, yeah, it's, it's a battle out there. Especially for men that will stand up and do what's right. You know, it's... And then, of course, these other pastors, when they see, they don't want anything to do with him, right? Because he's, he's, he's bearing the reproach of Christ outside of the camp. So guess what? They don't like him. But me, I like guys like that. <laughs> no, you're fine, brother. We're okay. Amen. 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 Good. That's okay. She picked that living Bible up, though, didn't she? Amen. Amen. Good, and you gave him a real Bible. Amen. Amen. Okay. definitely pray about that. I'll pray about that here this morning and praise the Lord for, um, for your witness to your family and to getting them the Bible is the best thing you can do. It's the best witness you can give is giving somebody the, the Bible, right? They get the Word of God in their hands and uh, into their hearts they start reading it and God will use it. So that's a, that's a blessing for sure. Uh, praise the Lord for that. Yep. Just along those lines, I want to give a praise just praying for Dan to Amen. Hearing, you know, how well he's doing there, he's going to answer the prayers. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. Okay, Grandpa, what's going on? Uh, he's praying for Debbie. Yeah. Uh, I guess he prays for Chris Rebellion. Oh, our co my cousin Debbie? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Her husband killed himself a few years ago. He was um, borrowed his brother's shotgun, went out to the barn and killed himself. This same man, I was at a funeral. I was, I was at my Aunt Doris's funeral, and I preached uh, the funeral there. I preached the gospel there, and they mocked me at that. 
Mm -hmm. But that guy ended up blowing his brains out. It's not a game. He had a witness, though, didn't he? He had a witness. So, so these things keep you sober-minded, don't they? Help us remember how important our work is, right? All right, Proverbs chapter 31, we'll pray about these things. And, and uh, this afternoon, we'll have uh, Baptist history. We'll be back in Martyr's Mirrors. So uh, our second part of that, we didn't finish that a few weeks back. It's been about three weeks, but we got real busy and some sickness went through and all kinds of stuff, but we're getting back to it here and uh, we'll do that this afternoon along with the normal schedule of the children's things and everything that we have going on there. And then we'll try, guys, and we have a break here for lunch and everything right after that, we'll get together and kind of uh, just sit down at a few tables here and we'll, we'll kind of go through uh, some of the footage and all that, the questions and all that kind of stuff. We'll review some of the stuff David Miller had and all that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll work on that and, and uh, praise the Lord for that. So you keep praying for one another. Don't forget about uh, the Sunday service. Uh, it'll be New Year's Eve. And uh, we'll have a normal service and uh, normal and then we'll take off. The men will. Uh, and then, you know, whatever your families, I'm sure they're going to go home because it's going to be late and we won't be back here early. So we're going to go out and preach New Year's Eve out there. Um, and uh, so you pray about that, about being there for that as we tracked. Brother Ryan, I don't know, what I, I, is it the greatest gift track or is it the New Year one that we have? Which one do we have? We have a New Year one, but it's probably Okay, let's do that. Let's let's do both of that. Let's get some. We'll get the liquor ones, and then we'll get the um, the New Year one. We'll, we'll hand out kind of both of those, and uh, get out there on New Year's Eve and preach the gospel. Amen. That's where the sinners are going to be. We need to be out there, and uh, and try to warn them. No, nobody else is going to write, so we need to do that. All right, Proverbs chapter thirty-one, and verse number twelve. We we talked about this a little bit last week. But it wasn't the main focus. The main focus was trusting, uh, the trust that is built up in a marriage and uh, of last week. And I really want to talk about this, uh, this here this week in Proverbs chapter 31, uh, verse number 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. I really want to focus on that and kind of explain uh, the context of that in the scriptures. Uh, it's important for this series, and I, I put this under the Guiding uh, Christian Children series because it really is. It, number one, it guides us. As we guide our children, we're being guided through the Scriptures ourselves as parents and also as husbands and wives and everything else. But also, we're teaching our children what type of lady they want to marry uh, our, and, and our children and ladies what type of lady they want to be, right? So we... Uh, that's the, the purpose for this. It's the purpose to gain wisdom and instruction. As we go through the Proverbs, we're really just mostly expository preaching through the Proverbs with a mixture of uh, some focus on some subject content that is uh, straight content, but that's really what we're doing in different chapters and different parts of the Scriptures. To help uh, you ladies, it will help sharpen you up. It'll also remind you of what your duties are. It'll help us as fathers and, and husbands to remember what our duties are, to fully equip our wives for the things that they need. Now, we realize that the Holy Spirit equips them and the scriptures do, but, but we as husbands, we have to give them, we talked about this last week, the proper tools that they need to succeed. So, you know, that's our duty. Our duty is, to, is not to leave them in a position where they can't succeed and then look at them and say, well, you're not being the lady that God wants you to be. Well, uh, you know, there's no excuse for either one of us not to do right. 
Okay, there's no excuse for a woman not to do right. There's no excuse for a, a father or a husband not to do right. But at the same time, we don't want to we don't want to um, hinder the growth of our of our spouse uh, by not doing the right things. We want our children to see those those right things every day. That consistency uh, in in things that, that is so vitally important to their growth and their stability as they grow up in this in this world. Our children, we want them to be stable children. We want them to be. You know, not only uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually stable, strong. Um, now, everyone's going to have a difference in, you know, temper and temperaments and, and things like that. Some are going to be, uh, you know, a little more feeble than others. Some may be a little more timid than others. Some may be, you know, stronger personalities and stronger things like that. That's going to happen. Not everybody's going to be the same, but everyone has to follow the same guidelines. Okay, all of us have to follow what the scriptures say. But in that, it's going to work out differently in your personalities. Each one, you know, you can have two sisters and they're going to be just completely different in the, the way they look at things, the way they approach things in that sense. But their guidelines are the same. Like what they believe in the scriptures is the same. They're, they may have different personalities. They may have different ways they, you know, maybe go about, but they have the same goal to honor and glorify God, to please to please the Lord, and, and in this sense, we're going to talk about to please their, their husband, uh, because that's really what you're, you're teaching uh, young people, that, they're just, that, that as a young lady, and as you, as you grow up, and as you become a wife, uh, your goal, according to the scriptures, is to please your husband in the Lord, as is fit in the Lord. So in, in order to understand that, if more young ladies were trained to understand that um, today, uh, marriages would be a lot stronger. A lot of selfishness would go out the window, right? A lot of marriages had caused to have such strife. It goes out the window. I'm going to tell you what, there's, you will find out as you watch women that serve the Lord by serving their husbands and are faithful, a lot of times it's not hard for them for, uh, uh, to get their husband to do something that they would like him to do. Or to you know, to, or for him to listen to them when they when they reason with him. Many times it's not. Now men are stubborn, just like women can be. But men are stubborn at times. That's true. But but really, that meek and quiet spirit breaks them down. The bold and brassy speaking does not break them down. It causes them to put their guard up even more. And to defend themselves and 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 to kind of battle it, they they just won't respect it. So you you have to understand that. I know it just seems does seem so illogical at times when you look at it from an illogic point of view. You're like, how does that? How can that work? I, because that's the way God ordained it to work. That's why it works. There isn't any other reason. I say the same thing about this church and the way that it operates and the way that God has blessed it. How can that even work? Well, because of the Lord, it's God's way. God blesses His way. When you obey His way, there's a blessing that comes. Even if it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't have to. It never makes earthly sense. Like, I, like I've told you before, this church on paper <laughs> makes no sense at all. It has, there isn't anybody that would do the things that this church has done uh, in, in most fundamental Baptist circles, would do the things that, that God has allowed this church to do in the way that he's allowed them to do it, us to do it. Like they, on paper, they would be like, no, no way. Well, that's because when God does something, it doesn't have to make earthly sense. 
It's called faith. And when you believe God and you trust the Lord, God will bless that. When you just believe his word simply and you don't argue with it, you don't argue with God's word, you don't fight against it, you don't doubt it, but you just believe it, you don't try to change it, you don't try to correct it, you don't try to fix it, make it say what you want it to say, but you just take it for what God's word says, right? Then God blesses that. He'll do the same thing with your marriage. He'll bless your marriage when you obey him. When you follow him, he, he just does. That doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles and trials, but you'll be blessed through them. Sometimes we have to learn lessons hard because we're that thick-headed. So it takes a while to get through. And God's very patient to get through them. All right, let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for your word, Lord. We pray, Father, for uh, Brother Dan and uh, his test tomorrow, Lord. We, we thank you for uh, him and... and um, and Angie, Lord, and Johnny, Lord, we pray for them. We pray for the family. We pray, Lord, for uh, his, their children, Lord, as they try to reach them for Christ. And, and uh, Brother Dan's mother, Lord, that you'd bless the Bibles that were given, Lord, and, and your word. We know that it'll be used in the hearts of people, Lord. We just pray that you'd continue to work and be with my cousin Debbie, Lord, who's uh, in stage four cancer. Lord, we pray for her. Pray for healing for her, if it be your will. We pray for her to be saved. Lord, that's the need of the hour. For all men on earth is to know Christ, who is to know life everlasting. Lord, uh, we also pray for Brother Dave and his business and his work that he's doing, Lord. Please help him. Help each and every man here, Lord. Help us with our finances here as a church and help each and every man and family here with their finances, Lord. Please just be with all of us. Guide our steps, Lord. Help our hearts to be attentive to the word today. Use it in our lives. Thank you for healing uh, mom and bringing her back here. Lord, we thank you for that. We just pray that you'd continue to, to give her that healing as we look to celebrate next week, Lord, their 50 years of marriage. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we just pray that you'd bless dad his 80th birthday as well, Lord. We thank you for that. And I pray you give him many more. Pray he'd be out there preaching with us, Lord, till he's 90, if it be your will or longer. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your people. Bless us now. Be with our sick, Lord, and heal them. Strengthen them. Bring them back safely to us. Bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 31. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this phrase here. She will do him good, number one, all the days of her life. And here's a great question to ask every wife or lady wanting to be a wife one day. What is your motivation in being a wife? Is your main focus of being married to be a taker? Is it to be done, is it to be done for but not to do yourself? It's a good question to ask each one of us as a man and a, and a woman there if, if we really want to give our hearts and our lives to each other 100%. You hear people say it's 50-50. Uh, no, it's 100-100. For marriage to make it, you've got to give 100%. You don't give 50%. You give 100%. You're one flesh, and you both give 100% to come together to be that one flesh, and you work hard at it. And it takes work. Real marriage takes work. Like raising children takes work. Like going to your job takes work. It's like you'd be surprised when you go out to the workforce and people are surprised they actually have to work. 
Isn't that something? That's a novel idea, isn't it, Brother Paul? <laughs> I've heard some of his stories that they go to work. Yeah, you, you're actually getting paid to work here. You got to do some work. Right? Well, marriage is the same way. It's work. It, it is work. It's a labor of love, and it ought to be. But it is work. Oh, my, is it work. Like, you can't be lazy and, and have, a, uh, have a successful, spiritually successful marriage. You, you can't be. You have to work at it. Many of us come to marriage with selfish motives. But there's nothing, nothing worse than a selfish wife, unless it's a selfish mother. If you desire to be married, if your desire is to be married to see how much your husband can do for you or how much your wife will do for you, you enter into marriage very selfishly. A lady and a wife must be very versatile. She must be able to adapt to whatever her husband has need of. She's not the leader, but she is the follower. She has to follow her husband, and it's good that she has it settled in her heart. And that she's been trained to follow her husband in all things. See, the work that you do now with your children, you'll bear the fruit of that. You'll see the fruit of that more years later in your grandchildren, in your, in your, um, in your offspring, in, in what they produce. You have to understand that. If you do, so take heed to how you train. All of us. I mean, we, it's just there's things that God's going to show you that, wow, I got to work on this. As a mother, as a father, as a wife, as a husband, man, I got to work on this. I see these things. I, I got to work on that. You know, a lady is not the leader, but she is the follower. She has to follow her husband, and she has to settle that in her heart. This is part of her motivation, as we talked about last week. If she believes God and walks by faith, then she believes the commands of God to obey her husband. And obedience is the highest form of love. It really is. Jesus said it. If you love me, keep my commandments. He said, you know, you're, you show your love for me by obeying my commands. That's it's just, the, it's just plain, right? Isn't it? Well, a wife shows the same love to her husband when she obeys him. She follows his wishes. The scriptures teach the submission of a wife to her own husband. That submission does her husband good and not evil. And it is evil for a wife not to submit to her husband in things that are lawful and in the Lord. How we know that submission is not to evil but to good, just like we're taught. Over anything in authority, whether it's a church or anything else, we see those things. In other words, she's not to do sinful things to please her husband, but she's to submit to her husband as is fit in the Lord. Here's the thing I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse number 18. The Bible illustrates this, says this, explains this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So there's that clarifier there, right? As it is fit in the Lord. But here's the thing I want you to think about this thought also with this. She knows how to do good to her husband. One of those things that we have to understand as a husband, I do not put my children before my wife, nor does she put them before me. Now, you know, of course, there are times that we put 
our needs and wants on hold to care for our children, or a husband does to care for his wife and children, of course. Baby has to be fed, things have to be done, people have to be cared for, sickness, but that doesn't, all those things have to be done and are proper. But in a general sense, there never should be a time, generally speaking, when there's not emergency things that need to be done and all those things, where a wife and a husband um, do not recognize each other uh, before they recognize the children in that sense. There has to be a proper order there. It has to be taught completely because the wife's ministry is number one to her husband and then to his offspring. That's how God ordained it. That's how God made it to be. That's God's way. And if you lose sight of that, well, you'll lose sight of the whole purpose of marriage and then your children will get older and when they grow up, they'll leave and then you'll leave with them. I'm going to say that to you again. Your children will go up, you'll leave, they'll leave, and you'll leave with them. Why? Because you two don't know each other. Never, never, you, a wife never, the wife never served her husband. She was never faithful to serve her husband through that. She took care of the children. She interests herself in those things. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. But there's a proper order to it. She has to, she has to please her husband. That's God's design. That's the way God designed it. And I'll show you that in the scriptures here again in a few different ways. But we understand what God says. You, you're not to see yourself as a pampered queen on a throne that is to be served, but the help meet to your husband. You're to be there to serve him. That's the scriptures, folks. You say, I don't like, I love preaching this in a feminist world. Why? Because I know the beauty of obeying God. <laughs> I look at it, I watch it. I watch it in my own family. I watch it in your family. When people obey God, you can see the difference in their children and everything. Like, you just watch. You can see it in their family. You can see it in their children. Now, none of us have perfect children because they have imperfect parents. <laughs> they got my nature. <laughs> so I realize that, right? I, I already know that. None of us are deceived by that. We get that. But what we do understand is, is that when you follow God, you see the results. And they don't lie, right? This is not popular today. But you will see that the good she does to him all the days of her life is her wifely duties. It's being a servant and managing his estate. Do you know how to encourage your husband? Do you seek to do that? She knows how to do good to her husband, which involves many of those duties. The virtuous wife considers it her chief duty to know her husband and to learn how to please him and to help him. That's the question I have to ask. Do you know your husband? Do you seek to learn how to please him and to serve him and to, and to help him? That's the real question. Right? See, when you're at my house, if you're, if you're in my house like that, if you ask me where something is, I'm like, I don't know. Why? I don't manage any of that. I do the same thing with Paul. I'll ask him. He don't know where it is. His wife knows where it's at. She knows where it is. Why? Because she manages his, his place. That's why. So she'll, she'll find it. <laughs> I don't know where it is. People ask me stuff. I don't know where it is. Right? Why? Why would I? I don't do that. It's not that I won't help or do anything like that, or but I don't know. I don't know. I don't do that. She does that. 
and she knows where it is and she she deals with that why because that's actually what she's doing that's what they're doing and when you see that it's a beautiful thing it just is People, you see it in the world, they have no communication. The wives, the husbands, they don't even know each other. They don't know anything about each other. They, they, don't, they don't seek to even please one another at all, period. They're just two roommates living together. If your marriage is like that and you're a bunch of angry strangers with each other, that is a horrible way to live. You shouldn't be that way. And don't name the name of Christ and live like that and just not care for each other's needs and not care for each other's desires and, and just not even care at all, walk around in this lethargic way, disobedient to the commands of God. You want to destroy children? Grow them up in such confusion where nobody cares for anybody. It's a horrible way to live. And naming the name of Christ and living that way is awful. It's worse than an infidel. It's worse because you're naming Christ's name and you set that in the heart of those children and they get completely confused. Like, that's God? Oh, No, that ain't God. That's man's failure. She must do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Study to know your husband. Learn his strengths and his weaknesses and support him in his headship over you and in the leading of the family. Don't exploit his weaknesses, just like you shouldn't exploit your wife's weaknesses. You don't do that. But you strengthen, you're there to support and encourage your husband. Do him good by instructing his children to look up to their father. And another way that she does him good and not evil is that she supports his agenda in the home. There's not two different directives in the home. Well, when dad's not around, we do it this way. When dad's around, well, we just do it that No, don't teach your children deceit. That's teaching them to be deceitful. Don't do that. You'll create rebellion in them. You, get, you give them two different messages like that. Now, there may be things that you can do that dad don't appreciate when he's around, and he doesn't care if you do it when he's not there, but he just don't want to see it. That, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as they understand that's the way it is. That, you know, that, that's not wrong. That's not bad. It's just you do this stuff when this is what we do, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But what, what I'm saying is that if there's a different message being given, right? Correct. And then you're, you're not, then dad's not being respected. And then that daughter's going to grow up and disrespect her husband. She's not going to have that respect for her husband. And the, the, the children aren't going to respect the mother either because they lose sight of that. When, when there's not continuity, when, when things aren't in unity, when things aren't in agreement, and there's two different things going on, it pushes confusion. And you don't want that. You don't want that at all. When he leaves... There shouldn't be confusion wrought in the children by doing things differently than when he's instructed it. Also, if you do him good and not evil all the days of your life, you won't talk down to the children about him. You won't say things down about each other, by the way. And deconstruct and tear down each other. Don't do that. Talk bad about their mother. Talk bad about the father. And, and especially a lady, you don't talk bad about your husband like that. Brother them. Don't do that. 
You're to do him good and not evil. By the way, she does not lie to her husband if she's to do him good and not evil. And to the children and give two different standards and two different messages to children. She teaches love and respect of her husband to the children. She knows how to counsel him from a woman's perspective as her head and not in an authoritative way. See, there's a way that a wife can offer that, that um, uh, encouragement and, and counsel in that way that, that no one else can give as, as your wife. <laughs> My wife and I have a lot of talks at like midnight. <laughs> we're supposed to be sleeping, but we're sitting there and we talk about a lot of things, right? She doesn't tell me what to do. She doesn't do anything like that. She doesn't speak authoritatively to me. We just talk about things. We bounce things off of each other. We talk about different things. Right? And I listen to what she has to say. Because if you're a leader, you ought to listen to people that follow you too. You ought to listen. You ought to hear it. I listen to you. I pastor you and I listen to you when you say things. I do, believe, believe me, I do. I, I take it to heart and I listen. And I think, huh, okay. I may not always agree with it, and I may not always agree with my wife, but I still listen to what she has to say. I don't shut her down. I don't want her talking to somebody else. I want her talking to me. Amen. Let's say that again. I don't want her talking to somebody else. I want her talking to me. That's the way it's supposed to be. She gives him good biblical counsel from a wifely perspective. As a friend, as a wife, as a joint heir with him. Amen? Somebody's been with him. Nobody will know you like your wife. Nobody. Except Jesus, obviously. He knows you better. But, but nobody on this earth will know you like your wife knows you. <laughs> nobody. I'm telling you, nobody. They're the closest to you. You've been through the, the most uh, traumatic experiences together. You've been through the most trials together. They've seen you when you've been in tears. They've seen you when you're laughing. They've seen you at your worst. They see you at your best, mostly at your worst. But they see, they see they, right? They, they see you. They know you. They've suffered long with you through everything. They know you. So then you listen. You respect, you respect that voice. There's not, that's, that's not demeaning, that's not making you less of a man or anything like that. At the end, you'll make your own decisions and you'll do what God wants you to do. But at the, at the same time, a wife ought to know how to speak to her husband. If you don't study to know how to speak to your husband, if you don't know how and you open wide your mouth and say things you shouldn't say and you instigate problems and arguments, I can tell you that you're doing it wrong. <laughs> because you're not supposed to do that. You're sh now, a husband should be able to uh, d uh, control a conversation well enough and control his emotions well enough to be able to have a conversation, right? Even if it's, even if it's wrong. Hey, there's been times I have to correct my wife. I have, to, I have to tell her that she's wrong. No, that's not correct. What you're saying is not right. Amen. There's times you have to do that. That's not demeaning either. It's called being a leader. There's times I have to tell you when you're wrong. There's times if you're my friend that you'd come to me and tell me if you thought I was wrong. Wouldn't you? I hope so. So you're my pastor. Yeah, I know. You can come privately. We can have a talk. You can discuss it. 
You better. I love you enough to tell you when you're wrong. You better love me enough too. Right? That goes both ways, don't it? Don't let me just be your friend and you not be mine either. Right? That's how we love one another. We bear each other's burdens. We so fulfill the law of Christ. And as a married couple, you do the same. You talk to one another. Don't be cold, dead strangers with each other. You ought to have deep emotional talks at times. You ought to talk about things that are uncomfortable sometimes. You ought to talk about the day of your death sometimes. You ought to talk about all those things, preparing for the future and the plans of life. You ought to talk about all those things. There ought to be those discussions. That's what a wife does. Nothing makes a, I will tell you this, um, she does not become contentious with him. She does not preach to him, but she keeps a soft, submissive countenance while encouraging him in his duties. Nothing makes a man feel stronger than a wife that submits to him and obeys his wishes as it fit in the Lord. Some of you want your husbands to be stronger, but if you're bucking up against them too much, you're not going to make them stronger. You, you actually weaken them by doing that. When you become bold and brassy with them and you become, and you become loud with them and you, become a, you weaken them. Why? Because they're like, I can't control this woman. I can't make her do anything. She'll just do whatever she wants to do. And I'm like hopeless. I've, I've had conversations with men that were so afraid that their wife was going to leave and so afraid of the situation that they were in and how their wives were so absolutely bold and brassy and arrogant and like, or like strong-willed and like wouldn't listen and submit and obey. And I'm talking about Christian men. It, men that I pastored and they, and, and they're, they're, that they're like that. So they, they don't realize how much they deflate that man, or maybe they do. And that's why they're doing it. Cause they really don't want that man to lead them. They want to lead and run everything. There's some women that complain about men not leading. And really it's just a cover because they want to run the show. Oh, I've met them. Believe me. Have I met them? I've watched them. I watched him. I was on the other end of the phone call. I, I, I mean, I, 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 listen, I've heard it. I've watched him like, whoa. I did not want to hear that. So that's not, that's not productive in a marriage to be contentious like that. But if a woman submits to her husband, it strengthens him. It makes him stronger. You wanted to be a better leader? Pray for him and submit to him. That will make him stronger. Not you trying to lead and do it for him and push on him things. That will not make him stronger. That will make him weaker. Say, so, no, that doesn't make sense. It's God's way. It makes sense when you think with the spirit and not with, your, not with the flesh. Because God's way is always right. That is doing him good and not evil all the days of his life. You know, if he does not know if his wife will submit to him, then he has such aching in his heart and mind as he goes to work, as he suffers a world that is against everything he believes. But then he goes home and has no peace there. 
either because he does not trust that his wife will do him good and not evil? Or if she blatantly goes against his wishes and does not follow him, it deflates him and makes him feel as if he is less than a man. I've literally talked to men that told me, I've pastored men, that told me that they asked their wife for three years to clean their refrigerator out and she just wouldn't do it. Now, could you imagine, could you imagine asking a woman to do that for that amount of time and she would not do it for you no matter what you asked? And how that, would you, would you feel like such a man? I mean, you would do it yourself, obviously, but would you, would, if you asked a woman to do something like that and she would not do it for you, what do you think that does? That'll make a real angry man. And by the way, then come to church, put a long skirt on, and act holy. Hmm. Yeah, I've seen it. It happens. And then there's such internal strife, and a man is not strong that way, he's weakened. He's very weak. I've met men like that because no one respects them. They feel very worthless because their wife won't submit to them, their children disrespect them, and the mom has pitted them against their dad. This makes the home a very terrible and contentious place for children to be raised in. And it's very sad and it does evil to that man and not good. He can take men not submitting to him. He can take the world mocking him. He can take bills piling up and all sorts of other trials that come in. But when his wife does not follow his wishes, when she's going in opposite directions as he is, he feels like a worm and not a man. Yeah. He feels as if he is powerless. That she could leave him at any time and do what she wants and he has no recourse. That all will be lost and he, and he lives in his own world of tyranny. If a wife does not submit, the home is a little piece of hell where God meant it to be a little piece of heaven. Amen. It is. If a wife does not surrender and submit, to her role as a wife to submit to her husband, then it's a little piece of hell. <laughs> Torment. Another way that she does him good and not evil is that she prays for him. Do you pray for your husband? Do you pray for God to lead him and for him to make wise decisions? Do you pray that God would open up his eyes to things that you cannot take care of yourself? That it's not your place to approach him about, but that you wish God to mightily move in his heart? Real faith says, I will not do what God has not commanded me to do, but I will pray for God to make it happen. That's faith. That's what real Bible faith is. If God didn't call me to do that, if God didn't instruct me to do that, then I'm not going to do that. Right? If I see, as a pastor, there's things that I see problems in, but 
If God doesn't give me the direction to deal with something and I have to wait on the Lord, I have to trust God and be faithful and say, Lord, you know what's best. But this is what's happening, but it's not mine to approach. It's yours. So I have to pray. I have to pray and ask God to do that work. And you as a wife have to pray for your husband. Things that you, you, cannot make change, uh, uh, you cannot make him change. Things that you cannot make him change, you've got to pray and ask God to do that work. And you've got to believe God that he'll do it. Just like you as, a, as church members. There's things that God hasn't given you the authority to do anything about, right? But you can pray. And you have to believe by faith that God will do something. You do believe that, right? You do believe God will do something. If something's not right or something needs to be directed or something, you, you believe God would do that, don't you? Amen. You've seen it, haven't you? You've watched God do it. Some of you have never approached me about anything, and then all of a sudden, God leads in a direction like that, right? Why? Well, don't you think it's because you prayed for it and God answered your prayers? Right? That's why. You just have to believe God. It takes faith to exercise in those, in those situations that we cannot control. But maybe that's the lesson that God is trying to teach you. Stop trying to control things and pray and ask God to work. Because God hasn't given you a place to control those things. He hasn't given you a position to control those things. You're in a, a position of submission when it comes to that. And as a wife, many times you're in a position of submission. And you have to respect that. See, you have to respect the Lord's way. That's the biggest deal. When we get out of line sometimes, sometimes it's because we don't respect God's way. We think that we can improve upon it. So we'll do it differently. We'll force our hand. We'll make something happen. Mm, that usually doesn't go well. Right? Men, you know, as far as a home goes, men don't like being told what to do in their own home. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't like that. But if you pray and you, and you ask God to do something and, you, and you know, if God gives you such an opportunity and a conversation would come or whatever the case may be and any of those things and open up, there are times that there are things that I have wanted to address with some of you that I did not address until you came to me and gave me an opportunity to address it. And then when you opened the door, when you opened the door for me to address it, I said something. Otherwise, I've prayed about it and I've waited and not said anything. Why? Because I'm not, I, contrary to what you might think, I'm not here to harp on you about everything. Right. I'm not a nagging wife. I'm not going to harp on you. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not a contentious woman that's going to that's gonna nitpick at you. I'm not like those, I see those roosters in that, in the, those chickens, and they, man, they find that sore on that, <laughs> that hand, and man, they just peck that thing to death, man. I'm not here to peck you to death. I'm here to edify you and grow you in your most holy faith. We're here to, we're here to love one another and grow and, and learn, right? We're not here to nitpick each other. We can always find something wrong with each other. Always, always, always. But what true love does is it has charity with it. It says, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. If God so gives the opportunity, then I'll deal with that. 
I know this is very practical today, but that's okay. It needs to be. One of the most practical, basic things of doing somebody good and not evil. You think about this. They're very practical and small things, but they're so important things. Like, is there anything more important than praying for your spouse? Like, as simple as that is prayer. I can guarantee you, when I hear men complain about their wives, or wives complain about their husbands, they're not praying with faith. They're not praying believing God. I'm not saying that we don't ever get in a bad mood or have a bad... But you know what? You need to make it a rule not to speak against your husband. Not to speak against your wife like that in a negative way and in a condescending way or in a way like, like you need to make it that like, no, we're just not going to do that. We don't do that to each other. No. I'm not, we're not going to practice that. We're not going to do that. I don't want that example to be before my children. I don't want them to think it's okay. So we're not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go there. Right? Because what it'll lead to is negativity, condescension, mean spirit, and so discord. And you don't need discord in your home. We definitely don't need it in the church, and we don't need it, and you don't need it in the home. God doesn't like discord like that. Do you pray that God would open your husband's eyes to things that you cannot take care of yourself? That it's not your place to do? To see real change come in areas of concern? See, some men want to complain about that. They don't want to pray about it, though. Some women want to complain about it. They don't want to pray about it. Right? Some women, they just want to complain about their husbands. But they really, because if you really seek the betterment of your marriage, you're not going to complain. You're going to pray. You're not going to go to people that can't do anything for you about it and bash them. You're not going to do that. Now, I understand there's certain contexts of time where, where, you know, if you're counseling with me and we got to talk about some things. I don't like it. I, just, I, don't, I don't like to do it. Like, you kind of got to drag me into it because I don't really want to. I don't, I don't like those conversations. But that's an appropriate time where no one else is going to hear it. For years I've done I've never told anybody anything that was, pu- that was private that was supposed to be public. Or uh, private and made it public. I just left it alone. If it was public, it was public. If it was private, it stayed private. I can do that. We talk about those things, and then that's an appropriate time to talk about that, to deal with that and kind of get that out and deal with it. But it's not to uh, complain. A lady, don't ever go to another woman and complain about your husband. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't complain about your husband. Don't go to, and by the way, don't use my wife as a sounding board for you to complain about your husband, because that ain't going to happen. I'll have her shut that down real fast. Don't complain about your husband to my wife. I don't want my wife hearing that, right? I don't want her hearing that. You know what that does? It's contagious. Now, if you're being hurt, call a cop. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) I hate to say that. But if if it's something like that, you know, and you're in danger, please don't make me your first phone call. Call the cops (laughs) 
I've been through that before. It doesn't work out well. I mean, I don't like calling cops, but you know what I mean. If you're in danger, leave, okay? I get it, okay? If somebody's going to hurt you, leave, all right? I'm not telling you to, to stick around and be hurt. I'm not, I'm not saying that, okay? But what I'm saying is, is that, but as far as complaints go, don't, don't be like, I'm going to complain about my husband and I'm going to do it to Mrs. Cooley or Mrs. Bicey or, or Mrs. Pierce. Or something. Don't, don't do that. Don't complain about your husband to them. If you got something serious, then you go to your husband, you say, this is what's going on. Can we go, can we go talk to pastor about it together? Right? And have him call me. Right? But don't complain. Don't, don't badmouth your husband. That's not counseling. That's just badmouthing. Again, if you're in danger, that's different. You know what I'm talking about. You can read between the lines. You get it. But to call somebody up and say, my husband's doing this and, and this and this. No, you're complaining about your husband. You're talking bad about your husband. That's not acceptable. No. It doesn't edify him. And it doesn't edify you. Right? Crimes and all that other stuff, that's a different story. But with stuff like this, no. Stuff you need to work on, you need to pray about it. You need to seek the Lord's face. My wife has talked to ladies before and told them straightforward, you just don't trust your husband. That's what your problem is. You just don't trust him. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's just as basic as that. You're just not trusting your husband. And I find that when women get mostly in trouble, that's where it is. They just don't, they don't want to trust their husband to lead them because they don't like what he's doing. See, this is why we don't have to have like three-hour counseling sessions on or marriage conferences. You're getting it right here on Sunday, right here, right? All out in the open, all in front of everybody, so everybody can benefit from it and learn and grow from the children on up. We all learn it together, right? So nobody can say, well, no one taught me about that. No, I'm teaching you right through the scriptures about it. And you don't have to take like eight weeks of premarital classes with big books of psychology before you get married, right? Let's see if you're compatible. Do you think they're compatible? I don't know. Do you like him? <laughs> I, think you, I think it'll work. It's like, did you take this test? I think I had to take that. Didn't I, Hannah? I had to take that test. Did, were we compatible? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Seems like we were. <laughs> like, you got to take this test. What's well, running around following the world? Well, I'm going to take the world standard. Give me one of those stupid psychology books. Yeah, okay. That's what one pastor told me. He didn't like V very much because I, you know, wasn't like that. So he, he is telling me, he's telling me, well, I have, I have a degree in marriage counseling and all this other stuff. I was like, yeah, I got a Bible. <laughs> so I just... Right. And I think your stuff's bat crazy. That's what I think. I think it produces a bunch of nuts. That's what I think. I think you just follow the scripture and God made it simple. Do him good and not evil all the days of his life. Right? And you can tell when a woman is bent on doing her husband good and not evil. It's evident. And when she's not listening and she doesn't want to do it, guess what? You can see that too. And it's evident that they are not going to do that. 
or if a man doesn't want to love and care for his wife. That's evident, right? You can see it. He treats her like garbage, runs around on her, takes advantage of her, abuses her. That's evident too, right? You can see we've seen that before. But it ought not be among the saints of God. Ever. The Bible instructs us to pray without ceasing, that we are to be in constant prayer, and you pray for things that are most urgent, most important to you. By the way, and you pray for your ministry, and your ministry is your husband. And then you should pray for your ministry like a pastor would pray for his people. You should pray for your husband, because your ministry is your husband and your children. That is your... Say, what's my ministry? Your husband and your children. That's your ministry. That, that is... Whatever else you do along the way, which is much, you ladies, it's much to help out. You do a lot, right? You're, I never doubt when I see a woman that loves her husband and loves, her, loves the Lord, I never doubt whether that ministry of her husband is the most important thing to her. That's why I don't walk up to women and ask them to do things. I walk up to their husbands and say, hey, is it okay if... So-and-so does, is it okay? Yep, that's okay. Okay, I want to make sure, right? Why? Because that's his wife. I'm not, I'm not going to disrespect him. I'm not going to, I don't do that. I don't order people around to do things. I don't order men around to do things like that. I ask them to do things. But I don't do that over the, I recognize the headship of her husband, right? So I, I ask him, is it Okay. Or, or if it's their daughters, I, is it okay? Or if there's even their sons when they're young, I ask the same thing. Why? It's just respect. It's being respectful. You don't lose your headship when you come to church. <laughs> the wife doesn't lose the godly order when she comes to church. She's still to follow it. And if I believe it, then I'm going to go through that, right? I'm going to follow that along. And I do that. I try to respect those things. We're to be in constant prayer one for another. As a pastor prays and watches for the souls of his flock and learns his people, so should a wife learn her husband and watch and pray and do all she can to please him. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 22. We're going to read these verses, a few of these, and then we're going to read in 1 Corinthians, because I'm going to show you where the Bible specifically says that a wife is to please her husband. That's to be her work. Ephesians 5, 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, down to verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. That takes care of a lot, doesn't it? You know why? If two people love the Lord, you want to know why it's not dangerous for you as a wife? to submit yourself to your husband that way because he is commanded by God to love you as he loves himself. And if he loves the Lord, and if you love the Lord, you're both going to do that. And guess what? You are protected because he loves the Lord and he's to obey that and he's to follow that and that's important. And even if he doesn't do his part, you're still protected by God. Because God always blesses obedience. 
But do you know what gets in your way? Impatience. You want it to be perfect right away. You want things that take years to grow and to develop, marriages that take years to grow. And if, you, if your marriage was already in shambles and you were doing things completely wrong and you had no biblical example, you're expecting that to be that overnight. You're in for a lot of disappointment. Because when you see marriages and people that have followed the Lord for many years, that didn't happen overnight. It happened through much labor. You're going to see it when you raise your children. As your little ones come out and you start raising little children, you're, you're thinking, how's that mom do that all the time? Like, how does how's that, how's that family do that? How does that, how does that happen that way? Well, it didn't happen overnight, and you didn't see them with their first one. <laughs> right? You didn't see what it was like with their first one. Pulled out their hair. Ah! That's why Paul doesn't have any hair. Look. No, I'm just kidding, Paul. <laughs> just kidding, brother. <laughs> <laughs> he had hair like Garrick a few months ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but, but that you didn't see them go through that. They went through all those things. They did it too. Guess what? They didn't quit. They didn't quit. Don't quit. That's the problem. You want to you throw your hands up in the air and quit. You can't. You got to keep marching forward. It does not happen overnight. It takes years to grow and to learn these things and to mature. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. My husband should be this. Yeah, and his wife should be this, but she isn't either. That's why you got to love each other and grow and give it time. It doesn't happen overnight. It never has. And it never will. You're just impatient. You want it all right away. Well, I'm doing this and it's not happening. Well, it's not a magic formula that you mix up a potion in a lab. That's not, that's not what it is. It's life and living and experience and failure and humbleness and submission and brokenness and a contrite spirit before God and failures and getting back up again and doing it all over again and being faithful and not quitting and not giving up. That's how. That's, that's how it happens. That's why it happens. And God puts that and he breathes endurance into us and life in us to continue. That's why you see their behavior and the children the way. They, that's why it took years. It took years. You failed at some things, succeeded at other things. Learned some hardships, learned through some things. and Right? It's just like building that business. That ain't going to happen overnight. You can have all the things. You can have all the ducks in a row. You can have everything. That thing ain't growing like that overnight. It grows with toil and work and heartache. <laughs> That's just anything, right? In labor, right? What did God promise us in our labor? Sorrow would attend it. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm, not, a, I'm not sadistic. I, I'm just I'm telling you the truth. God said that all of our labor as a man and as a woman would be accompanied with sorrow. It would have a, a sorrow accompanied with it. it you, will be, you will have sorrow. <laughs> you will. In raising children, in marriage, in, in church, in whatever it is, in work, in this life, it's going to be accompanied by sorrow. Mixed with joy. Amen. Lots of joy, but you will have some sorrow. 
don't think because the sorrow is present and seems to be overwhelming at times that it must be all bad. That's right. It isn't. Sometimes sorrow is necessary to sober us up. Amen. To keep us focused on what God wants us to do. I got to keep moving here. 1 Corinthians 7.34. I want you to see this. Now, we always look at this in the, you know, in the positive way in that sense, but I want you to look at it in the negative, the negative lesson that's being taught. When negative, I don't mean... Um, not good or a bad thing. I mean that there's a secondary lesson that's being taught here that if you pay attention to what's being said here, it'll make sense to you. He says there is, in verse number 34, there is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. So right there, what he's teaching is about the unmarried. And that what their, what their duty is in life and what they're supposed to be doing, right? How they're supposed to be conducting themselves. That they may wait upon the Lord without distraction, right? That they would serve the Lord and wait for God to bring them someone along the way and all, the, all that if, the, if that be the case. But notice here, the second thing that's being taught here. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. A married woman, her ministry, her work is to please her husband. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what marriage is in that sense. It's not all that it is, but it's a major portion of what it is for a wife, is that her ministry and her duty is to learn to please her husband in every aspect of their married life. And when she learns to do that, be it intimacy, be it the managing of the home, be it the mothering of the children, being any of those things, when she learns to do it, it makes the home and marriage stronger. When she understands that that's her purpose. If you were single, the unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord that she may be both holy in body and in spirit. So she is going to be focused on the ministry to the Lord, whatever a single person would do to serve the Lord in the church, and that she would be married unto Christ in that sense, and that she would be loyal to Him and, and follow Him and be obedient to Him, and her ministry is unique in that sense, right? That, that, that she is single, and that's what she is to do. But when you're married, your focus is different. Yes, it's all in the Lord, but it's through pleasing your husband. You see that? Your ministry to the Lord is through pleasing your husband, being the helpmeet that God wants you to be. That's your ministry. So no one should enter into marriage that does not, that's a Christian now that understands these things at this time. They should not, they should, if they do not want to do that, then they should not enter into marriage. Because that's your service to the Lord is through your husband. That doesn't mean you're not in your Bible devoted. No, that's all part of it. All your, your, your prayer, your, that's, but it's a ministry through your husband. That's how it is. That's how you show it. That's, that's the same thing that Proverbs 31 is saying. It's not saying anything different. That she may do him good and evil all the days, not evil all the days of his life. Paul said that a wife's purpose is to please her husband. It's very simple. If you don't want to please your husband, don't get married. If you don't want to honor and glorify God that way, then don't get married. If you say, well, I'm really selfish. I don't think I could do that. Well, then you shouldn't. 
If you can't see yourself giving yourself to a man and obeying him, following him and pleasing him, then don't be a wife. Stay single and live for the Lord because you'll make a terrible wife. The wife knows how to please her husband by keeping herself attractive to him only and keeping his eyes on her by taking care of herself. Men should take care of themselves too. And it's wrong for men not to care for their health and, you know, get sick and all that kind of stuff and not take care of themselves or extremely obese or anything like that. That wouldn't be right either. But the thing is, is that a lady has to take care of herself because men are attracted by sight. It's just the truth. See, I don't like that. They must be pigs. No, they're men. They're attracted by sight. That's why God told you to put clothes on. Amen. That's why God covered Eve. Why? Because men are attracted to sight. Amen. It ain't wrong. I'm telling you the way God made you. <laughs> Just wait. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But that's the way God made you. But he made you for one woman. Amen. He made you for, for, for one man. That's how God made you. So women ought to be, do, do their best to take care of themselves, right? In that way, that's part of it. Taking care of yourself. Um, whatever that, I, I'm not talking about getting out a chart and measuring yourself by the world's standards. I'm not talking about that. That's between you and the Lord and your, and your spouse. But, uh, but take care of yourselves, your appearance. Because men are, men are attracted by sight. No man can think his wife will be like she was when she was 18 years old, right? Before babies and all that. But ladies, you ought to take care of yourself. Your appearance matters to your husband. Amen. It does matter, and you ought to think about that. That's, that's how God made... That's not being mean. That's not being unkind. The Bible talks about a woman pleasing her husband. Men are pleased by sight. It affects them. It has an influence on them. So you ought to try to take care of yourself. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's not demeaning to anybody or anything like that. It's just the plain truth. It's not maybe not the most uncomfortable thing to, or a comfortable thing to talk about, but it is the truth. It's not the most important thing either, but it is an important thing. It does matter, right? If your husband comes home and, and you've been, been in a pink moo-moo all day and <laughs> like that Berenstain Bears lady that never takes that blue moo-moo off, what is up with that bear? I always point that out to my kids when I'm reading that story. Why don't that lady ever change that blue moo-moo? Oh my goodness, lady, would you just get, would you change it? Buy her a new one or something. She's in that blue moo-moo like all the time. Right? Does anybody notice that about, what's her name, Mama Bear or whatever? I'm, she's always in it, so I point that out to my girls. And here's Mama and her blue moo-moo again. That poor bear, he has to come home and see that all the time, man. She is always in that blue moon. Have you? Come on, I dare you. Read like ten of the books. You go through them. You'll see her blue moon. There she is. She never changes anything. She wears that like like twenty four seven and everything. Well, don't matter where she goes either. She goes to the store. Blue moon. Everywhere. She, anyway, so don't don't wear a blue moon all the time. Don't be a bear, all right? Um, but right, just, just take care of yourself. And by the way, women come in all shapes and sizes, so I'm not saying that everybody has to measure and be the same. I'm saying, but it's important that you, you do, okay? Having the physique of a 20-year-old is not the most important thing a woman does, but it's also not an excuse to let yourself go and not take care of yourself. Remember, you're raising, some, you're raising daughters. that You're an example of temperance and charity and all those things, so do your best to care for yourself. 
Wives want to please their husbands. That's the goal of her doing him good and not evil. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 talks about that. Let the husbands render the wife due benevolence. Likewise, also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud you not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan not tempt you not for your incontinency. Okay, here's one of these words that we need to define. What's that mean? It means want of restraint of the sexual appetite, free or illegal indulgence of lust, lewdness, used of either sex, but appropriately of the male sex. Incontinence in men is the same as unchastity in women. Why is that important to understand? Well, that's important to understand because this is, this is speaking of pleasing your husband in, in an intimate way. We won't get into details of that because that's not necessary. Uh, you, can, you can figure that out. But the point, of that is, the point of that is this, is that if it wasn't important, God wouldn't have put it in there to make sure that men, married people understood that that is important. I've seen a lot, I really wish a lot of pastors would preach on these verses like this and talk about that because I've met a lot of men that are older in their lives and they complain about that. That basically their wives physically don't want anything to do with them after a certain time and they have nothing to do with them. Then some of their marriages end up in divorce or the guy runs out on her and he's a dog for doing it. Yep, and God's going to get him and he's in trouble and all that stuff. But if you've not done what you're going to do, you're part of the problem. How do you know that, preacher? Because 1 Corinthians 7 says you're part of the problem. How do you like that? Your modern-day feminist psychologist and pastoral counselor won't dig into that and tell you that. But I will tell you that. Why? Because I love you. That's why. And I don't want your marriage to end up in shambles. I don't want your husband running around like a dog in heat somewhere. I don't want that to happen, so I'm going to say that to you. I'm going to say that uncomfortable thing and just get it out there. Why? Because if the Apostle Paul can say it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I can preach it. Because he's commanded. God's commanded it to be preached. So I'm saying, watch and do what God has commanded you to do. Because if you don't, this is guaranteed to happen. Temptations will come. And it's important that you understand that. It matters. And it's defrauding one another. And if you're de defrauding one another, guess what you're not doing? You're not doing each other good, but evil. Amen. Come on. I know it ain't very comfortable to talk about, but it's true. Satan will get advantage of you. That's what the Bible says. We're not ignorant of his devices. You need to be aware of this. Know your husband. Know his passions, his desires. And such a man ought to love his wife and go after her with all the desires he had at courtship. She ought to care for herself and be desirable to him even in years later, many years later. If a husband and a wife has each other's hearts, their bodies will follow. It's just the way it works. If you have their heart, their body will follow. Don't ever kid yourself. If you don't give yourself one to another, you ain't got their heart. <laughs> you don't. Amen. It's just the truth. There's nothing. Oh, let me ask you a question. If God's got your heart, does, does anybody have to beg you to give to the Lord, serve the Lord, preach the gospel? Do I got to stand outside and say, come on, guys, somebody show up to go preach it, man. I don't got to beg you. What? Why? Because you're surrendered to the Lord, right? You say, I'm going to go preach the gospel. I'm going to go evangelize because God commanded me. Guess what happens? Your body follows. And you show up. Same thing with your marriage. <laughs> if your heart is there, then your body's going to follow. That's the way it works.
It's just, it's just, this is where, boy, this is that, let, let me tell you something, and, I, and I'm going to stop because, man, we'll be on this forever, not this, but this whole subject here today. Here's the thing that, that, that's true. A lot of pastors will never say this to women. They will not look a woman in their eye and say that to them. They are deathly afraid of them. Guess what? Let me put it in reverse to you. I'm deathly afraid not to say it. Why? Because I have to answer to God and say, well, God, that mean old woman, she looked at me. And I was afraid of her. Hey, women can be scary. Look at Elijah, man. He ran. What was it? 500 prophets of Baal got killed? Was it 500 or 400? I was, remember that? Called down fire from heaven, burned up. One Jezebel went after him, and he ran like the devil was chasing him. That mean old makeup monster came after him, and he ran. He's like, that painted Jezzy is going to kill me. Them 500 prophets couldn't, but that thing will kill me. That wildebeest will come after me, and she will eat me herself. She is going to eat me. I am getting out of here. And he ran. So I understand why men run from women. They get scared of them. I don't. I just look right at them, and I'll tell them the truth, no matter how mad they get or not. Because it has to be done, right? Why? Because if you don't, then you all suffer. We all suffer when we don't want to confront hard things, right? We all do. Like that old lady that got mad at me out there preaching when we were preaching out there. We told her the truth. Who else is going to tell her that you're a nasty old pervert? Going to this event. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, 80 years old, going up into this event, watching drag queens twerk in front of little kids in a church building. What's the matter with you? You old nasty pervert. You old nasty granny. Right? Well, I wouldn't say that to her. I know you wouldn't, so I did. <laughs> right? God, God's going to say a lot worse to her one day. You better warn her now, right? Ain't that love to warn her? I love her enough to tell you, you're an old perp, man. I, I thank God there was a man that told me, she's a whore and you're a whoremonger. Well, that wasn't very nice. He said, God told me to say that to you, so I said it to you. I, like, I believe you. Because <laughs> I know we want to smack somebody upside the head. They said that to me, right? I was lost. <laughs> but he was right. Thank God for that old man to look at me in my eyes and tell me that. So I returned the favor 30, 20 years later. That old lady was out there. I told you, you're an old pervert. Hey, look what happened when some old man told me that. Right, Brother Paul? Look what happened. When someone told you you're wrong and you're a sinner and you're guilty and you're nasty and you need to get right with God. Like I tell people about pornography all the time. That's somebody's daughter you're staring at, you pervert. That's somebody's little girl. Amen. Boy, that hits home on someone. Boy, that, that, that gets them. Should, shouldn't it? That's somebody probably sold into, into slavery. All right. I'm going to stop right here. I'll finish with this, though. 
of my third finish of the night. Of the, of the, it's now night. You've been here for all day. <laughs> Sorry, it's dark outside. Um, you can't love without surrender. That obedience is surrender. When you love, you surrender. I've told you this story before, so I won't go into every detail of it. You know, you remember the story of us going back into our home over there. I've told you that story before. The second part of that story, though, was a few years later. We go back in in 2018. My wife doesn't want to be there, but she surrenders to that and says, okay. We go back there, and in two years, three years later, COVID hits. And, you know, it had hit, and it went through. Finally, we got it. It took our church till 2021 to get it, I think it was. We all got sick, a bunch of us did. And uh, it was pretty nasty, right? But in the middle of that, I knew that the, you know, I, I saw my mom sitting on that couch, not able to lift her head up for like three weeks. I mean, it was bad. And I looked at my dad's situation. I looked at it, and... I knew the Lord was leading me to make a decision about what I was going to do. And I sat there and I was like, I looked at my wife and I told her, and I got COVID. <laughs> Everybody in the house is sick. And I'm like, I'm packing this stuff up. I'm putting it in storage. I'm putting all dad's stuff in storage. I'm selling my house. I'm selling their house. And we're going to get a house together. Because there's going to come a day when they're not going to be able to do this. And I don't want to try to manage two different estates and deal with all that stuff when I don't really have to. And she was like, and Gideon was like two months old. <laughs> it's like, she's like, just out of the hospital, a month and a half old, two months, about two months old. And she's like, uh, where, what are we going to do? We're going to pack all this stuff up and we're going to. Go, we're gonna go. We're gonna. We have to pack all this stuff up, empty this house completely, touch it all up, and then stay over at mom and dad's house. And then after that, we'll move everything, or we'll keep everything in storage. Blah blah blah. We'll go around with all this stuff. And she's like, "Okay, all right," but she submitted to it. It wasn't the most comfortable thing to do because it's like I thought we were just gonna stay here. Right? But God blessed, didn't he? He blessed her obedience, even though she didn't, she surrendered to even though it was like, oh man. And some of you wives know that you've been saved for a long time and you've had to submit to some things your husband has done. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't work out so great. But you know something? When you've surrendered to the Lord, you've done right, God will bless you for it. When you do right and you follow and you please your husband, do the things that you're supposed to do in the Lord, God will bless you for it. And he has blessed you. And he will continue to bless you because of it. Amen. That's doing him good and not evil all the days of his life. All the days of your life, right? Being faithful. But the question I have for you is, have you surrendered to that as a lady? Have you surrendered to it? Have you understand and rec understood and recognized that ministry that God has given you and surrendered to it? See, I don't do, you know, altar calls and music and everything like that. I, I, I'm, I'm not bashing people that do. I just don't, I don't do it. But because I believe that 
we can pray like when a preacher preaches and I ain't right with God and I hear something, man, I just ask God to forgive me right there, don't you? Like, I don't wait. I'm not trying to torch. Man, I got to wait till that music hits. <laughs> no, I'm already. I don't need to wait till the music hits. God already hit me over the head with something. God forgive me. <laughs> I don't need to wait for the music to hit. I just need to ask God to forgive me right now. Lord, please forgive me. I'm sorry. But surrender is a daily thing. You're, the thing about a living sacrifice is it always jumps off the altar. <laughs> Got to go back on. We find ourselves jumping off, right? We're all like that, aren't we, with God? We'll surrender in some areas and then we jump off, we pull back. So the, the thing that I would tell you is, is that you have to have a daily surrender to the ministry God has given you. The ministry of pleasing your husband as it is fit in the Lord. You have to have a daily surrender to that. Why? Because you'll want to go your own way and give it, you'll, you'll want to reason things out. You'll want, to, you'll want to do that. But it won't work. The home won't work like that. There's not two heads. There's one. Right? It's the way it is. It's the way God made it. If you follow that and obey it, you'll be blessed and your children will. You'll teach your daughters You'll teach your daughters that, yes, you have to serve an imperfect husband. But you have a perfect God. Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you do for us. And Lord, we just pray that you'd bless us and guide us into all truth. Lord, we thank you for eternal life through Christ. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the simplicity that is in Christ. We thank you for the gospel. Lord, thank you for the perfect words of God that we can take it out to a lost and dying world and tell them the infallibility of God Almighty. And Lord, help us to live it every day of our lives here, each and every one of us, our wives, our children, us as husbands. May our motivation be to always honor and glorify you in all things. Bless this day in the food and the fellowship, and the time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen.